Chapter 23 of Mortal Engines by Philip Reeve Catherine watched, transfixed, as the dome of St. Paul split along black seams and the sections folded outward like petals. Inside, something was rising slowly up a central tower and opening as it rose an orchid of cold white metal. The grumble of vast hydraulics echoed across the square and shivered through the fabric of the engineerium. Medusa, whispered Bevis Pod, standing beside, behind her in the open doorway. They haven't really been repairing the cathedral at all. They built Medusa inside St. Paul's. Guilds persons, they turned. An engineer was standing behind them. What are you doing? He snapped. This gantry is off limits to everyone but L Division. He stopped, staring at Catherine. And she saw that Bevis was staring too, his dark eyes wide and horrified. For a moment she couldn't imagine what was wrong with him. Then she understood. The rain. She had forgotten about the guild mark he had painted so carefully between her eyebrows, and now it was trickling down her face in thin red trails. What in Kirk's name? The engineer gasped. Kate, run! shouted Bevis, pushing the engineer aside, and Catherine ran, and heard the man's angry shout behind her as he fell. Then Bevis was with her, grabbed her by her hand, darting left and right down empty corridors until a stairway opened ahead. Down one flight, and then another, and behind them they heard more shouts and the sudden jarring peal of an alarm bell. Then they were at the bottom, in a small lobby, somewhere at the rear of the engineerium. There were big glass doors opening onto top tier, and two guildspersons standing guard. "'There's an intruder!' panted Bevis, pointing back the way they had come. "'On the third floor! I, I think he's armed!' The guildsmen were already startled by the sudden ringing of the alarm bell. They exchanged shocked glances when one started up the stairs, dragging a gas pistol from his belt. Bevis and Catherine seized their chance and hurried on. "'My colleague's been hurt,' explained Bevis, pointing at Catherine's red-streaked face. "'I'm taking her to the infirmary.' The door swung open and spilled them out into the welcome dark. They ran as fast as they could into the shadow of St. Paul's, then stopped and listened. Catherine could hear the heavy throbbing of machinery and a closer, louder throb that was the beat of her own heart. <clears throat> A man's voice was shouting orders somewhere, and there was a clash of armored feet coming closer. Beef eaters, she whimpered. They'll want to see our papers. They'll take off my hood. Oh, Bevis, I should never have asked you to get me in there. Run, leave me. Bevis looked at her and shook his head. He had defied his guild and risked everything to help her, and he wasn't about to abandon her now. Oh, Cleo, help us, breathed Catherine, and something made her glance toward Paternoster Square. There was old Chudley Pomeroy standing on the guild hall steps with his arms full of envelopes and folders staring upward. She had never been so happy to see anyone in her whole life, and she ran to him, dragging Bevis Pod along with her and calling softly, uh, Mr. Pomeroy! He looked blankly at them, then gasped in surprise as Catherine pulled the stupid hood off and he saw her face and her sweat-draggled hair. Oh, Miss Valentine! What in Kirk's name is happening? Look what those interfering engineers have done to St. Paul's. She looked up. The metal orchid was open to its full extent now, casting a deep shadow on the square below. Only it was not an orchid. It was a cowled, flaring thing like the hood of some enormous cobra, and it was swinging around to point at Panzerstadt Beirut. Medusa, she said. Who? said asked Chudley, Chudley Pomeroy. A bug siren wailed. "'Oh, please!' she cried, turning to the plump historian. "'They're after us. If they catch Bevis, I don't know what will happen to him.' "'Bless him. He did not say why, or what have you done wrong. 
just took Catherine by one arm and Bevis Pod by the other and hurried them toward the Guild Hall garage where his bug was waiting. As the chauffeur helped them into a squad of beefeaters came clattering past, but they paid no attention to Pomeroy and his companions. He hid Catherine's coat and hood behind his seat and made Bevis Pod crouch down on the floor of the bug. Then he squeezed himself in beside Catherine on the back seat and said, "'Let me do the talking,' as the bug went purring out into Paternoster Square. There was a throng of people outside the elevator station, gazing up in amazement at the thing that had sprouted from St. Paul's. Beefeaters stopped the bug while a young engineer peered in. Pomeroy opened a vent in the glastic lid and asked, "'Is there a problem, Guildsman?' "'A break-in at the Engineerium. Anti-tractionist terrorists. "'Well, don't look at us,' laughed Pomeroy. "'I've been working in my office at the Guildhall all evening, "'and Miss Valentine has been kindly helping me to sort out some papers. "'All the same, sir, I've got to search your bug.' "'Oh, really?' cried Pomeroy. "'Do we look like terrorists? "'Haven't you got better things to do on the last night of London "'with a dirty great conurbation bearing down on us? "'I shall complain to the Council in the strongest possible terms. "'It's outrageous!' The man looked uncertain, then nodded and stepped aside to let Pomeroy's chauffeur steer the bug into a waiting freight elevator. As the doors closed behind it, Pomeroy let out a sigh of relief. Those engineers... Uh, no offense, Apprentice Pod. None taken, said Bevis's muffled voice from somewhere below. Thank you, whispered Catherine. Oh, thank you for helping us. Don't mention it, chuckled Pomeroy. I'm always happy to do anything that upsets Chrome and his lackeys. Thousands of years old, that cathedral, and they go and turn it into a, uh, into whatever they turned it into, without so much as a by your leave. He looked nervously at, Carith, at Catherine, and saw that she wasn't really listening. Gently, he asked, But whatever have you done to stir them up, Miss Valentine? You don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but if you, you and your friend are in trouble, and if there's anything an old coot like me can do... Catherine felt helpless tears prickling her eyes. "'Please,' she whispered. "'Could you just take us home?' "'Of course.' They sat in awkward silence as the bug drove through the streets of Tier 1 into the park. The darkness was full of people running and shouting, pointing up toward the cathedral. But there were other runners, too, engineer security men leading squads of beefeaters. When the bug stopped outside Cleo House, Pomeroy climbed out to walk Catherine to the door. She whispered a heartfelt goodbye to Bevis and followed him. "'Could you take Apprentice Pod to an elevator station?' she asked. "'He needs to get back to the gut.' Pomeroy looked worried. "'I don't know, Miss Valentine,' he sighed. "'You've seen how head up the engineers are. "'If I know them, they'll all have their factories and dormitory blocks locked down tight by now, "'and security checks in progress. "'They may already have worked out that he's missing, along with two coats and hoods.' "'You mean he can't go back?' Catherine felt dizzy at the thought of what she had done to poor Pod. "'Not ever?' Pomeroy nodded. "'Then I'll keep him with me at Cleo House,' Catherine decided. "'He's not a stray cat, my dear. "'But when Father gets home, he'll be able to sort everything out, won't he? "'Explain to the Lord Mayor that it was nothing to do with Bevis.' "'It's possible,' agreed Pomeroy. "'Your father is very close to the Guild of Engineers. "'A sight too close, some people say. "'But I don't think Cleo House is the place to keep your friend.' "'I'll take him down to the museum. "'There's plenty of room for him there, "'and the engineers won't be able to search for him "'without giving us warning first. "'Would you really do that?' asked Catherine, "'afraid that she was dragging yet another innocent person "'into the trouble she had created. "'But after all, it would only be for a few days "'until Father came home. 
Then everything would be all right. Oh, thank you, she said happily, standing on tiptoe to kiss Pomeroy's cheek. Thank you. Pomeroy blushed and beamed at her and started to say something else. But although his mouth moved, she could not hear the words. Her head was filled with a strange sound, a whining roar that grew louder and louder until she realized that it wasn't inside her at all, but pounding down from somewhere overhead. Look, shouted the historian, pointing upward. Her fear had made her forget St. Paul's. Now looking up at top tier, she saw the cobra hood of Medusa start to crackle with violent, violet lightning. The hair on her arms and the back of her neck prickled, and when she reached for Pomeroy's hand, pale sparks jumped between the tips of her fingers and her robes. Mr. Pomeroy, she shouted, what's happening? Great Kirk, the historian cried. What have these fools awoken now? Ghostly spheres of light detached themselves from the glowing machine and drifted down over Circle Park like fire balloons. Lightning danced around the spires of the guild hall. The rushing, whining roar grew louder and louder, higher and higher, until even with her hands clapped over her ears, Catherine felt she could not bear a moment more of it. Then, quite suddenly, a stream of incandescent energy burst from the cobra's hood and stretched northward, a snarling, spitting, cat nine tails lashing out to lick at the upper works of Panzerstadt Beirut. The night split apart and went rushing away to hide in the corners of the sky. For a second, Catherine saw the tears of the distant conurbation limbed in fire, and then it was gone. A pulse of brightness lifted from the earth, blinding white, then red, a pillar of fire rushing up in silence into the sky, and across the flame-lit snow the sound wave came rolling, a low, long, drawn-out boom, as if a great door had slammed shut somewhere in the depths of the earth. The beam snapped off, plunging Circle Park into sudden darkness, and the silence she heard Dog howling madly inside the house. Great Kirk, Pomeroy whispered. All those poor people. No, Catherine heard herself say. Oh, no, no, no. She started to run across the garden, staring toward the lightning-flecked cloud that reached that wreathed the wreckage of the conurbation. From Circle, Circle Park and all the observation platforms came the sound of wordless voices, and she thought at, ver at first that they were crying out in horror, the way she wanted to, but no, they were cheering, cheering, cheering.